0: So if you would, I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to be in that chapter throughout the scripture today. There is a Bible app event, so you can follow along. If you have the Version Bible app, click on the little menu, click an event. An event near you will pop up, and you'll find one from Kermansville Alliance Church. There's others as well. You want to make sure you get the right one, or you think, what in the world is going on? Uh, you get the right one, you'll be in good shape. Um, I, I really like signs. This is a sign from the Middle East on a door. Or on a window of uh, a coffee place. Great coffee for a great city with a great little grandson right there in front of that sign. Yeah, my daughter sent me that sign. Uh, and uh, I just, I know why she does that. Brian and Esther think we should move over there right now. That's their thinking. And they're trying to lure me over there with two of my favorite things, my grandson and good coffee. But I love signs. I think signs are, are pretty cool. I have a number of pictures of signs. For example, I took this picture in Tennessee. Goat thieves will be shot on sight. On the very same fence, there was this one. Don't let the donkey out no matter what it says. So, yeah, you have that. I thought that's a pretty cool sign. Uh, I I don't know if I agree with this sign. Rattlesnakes may be found in the area. They are important members of the natural community. Yeah, right. Uh, They will not attack. Okay, right. If uh, disturbed or cornered, they will defend themselves. Give them the distance. Give them distance and respect. Look. You didn't have to put that last line on there. I, I was good. In fact, all you needed was the word rattlesnakes, and I would have known I'm staying away from that area. Um, this is uh, up the top of Sandia Mountain. That last one was uh, outside of Albuquerque, but this is this says bears and other wildlife frequent this area. Don't attempt to feed or approach them. This is their habitat. Eh, that's kind of a no-brainer. This came from uh, Colorado uh, when I was out there. Let me read it to you. i got to get down here so I can see it better. Attention residents, mountain lion activity in this, acti- in this area... Mountain lions have been reported in this area. Take precautions to avoid an encounter. If you see a lion, colon, and then there's six bulleted things to do. Let me read those to you. Number one, stop, do not run, stay calm. Yeah, that'll be good, right? Number two, face the lion, but avoid direct eye contact. It's kind of like that date you went on it didn't work out as well, I guess. Okay, number three, pick up small children so they do not panic and run. Number four. Talk to the lion in a firm, low voice. Yeah, right. <laughs> number five, make yourself large and raise your arms or coat over your head. And number six, back away slowly. Can you see the last three words? If you can. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that doesn't help me a lot. Maybe my favorite sign is this one. Unattended children will be given an espresso and a pet coyote. That, that's a good one right there. That's from out west. We saw that one. I like, I like signs a lot. Some signs are for landmarks. This is a very large array. If you saw the movie Contact, uh, you uh, might remember that area. Some signs themselves are landmarks, like Kermansville Alliance. That's uh, the ministry wing dedicated in 2006. That itself is a, a landmark. Signs. God gives us signs. Not when we demand them, though. You understand Jesus says at one point to the people around him, a wicked and perverse generation demands a sign. So God isn't in the business of when you say, give me a sign, saying, oh, okay, I will. That's not God, but he does give us signs when we need them, because we need them. Our passage today speaks about two signs uh, that are in this passage that God gives us. They're both mentioned in just the first few verses of Revelation 12. We're not going to read the entire passage all at once. We're going to read it kind of as we go, moving around inside the passage. Let me just read you the first three verses, though. Revelation 12, verse 1 says, A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. So the woman is a sign. Verse 2. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign, okay, here's the second one, appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Now, wait a minute. Before we continue, Let's talk about what signs are. I mean, what is a sign? And I would say, well, number one, signs stand out. I mean, if you go down south, sometimes there'll be policemen will be set up behind signs that you don't really get to see because some corrupt uh, town uh, council decided to hide the speeding signs here, get a ticket. I'm not speaking from personal experience or anything. Okay, Signs stand out and, and God doesn't put his signs behind a tree where you can't see them. Uh, instead, his signs are in plain view. There's something you can't miss if you're looking. Number two, signs always represent something. That might sound silly to me, to you, for me to say that, but I'm saying that because I want you to think today, well, what does the woman represent? And what does the dragon represent? What, what are they about? What are they signs of? We're going to talk about that today. Signs represent something. And number three, signs generally speak of something that happened in the past or is happening right now or will happen in the future. For example, when my wife comes home, she's been away all day, and she sees dirty dishes piled up next to the sink. That's a sign to her that her husband has eaten lunch on his own. It's a sign to me that there's going to be trouble later in the evening, right? Okay. Sign of something that happened in the past. Or maybe you're driving down the road and, you know, you see a sign that says school zone. That's a sign that in, in the immediate future, you're going to need to slow down. Or road construction ahead. Or does, does your Google Maps do this for you? Because my Google Maps does this. My Google Maps says, speed trap ahead. H- have you heard that? That's pretty convenient, right? Yeah. I think they think that if they tell you that, you'll slow down in general. Maybe that's what's going on. But it's a sign of something has come. Because signs speak to something past, present, or future. In our text, signs are really unmissable. They're unmistakable. They're blatant. And there are two of them that are here. We, we just read about the first one, the woman. A great sign appeared in heaven. Verse 1 says, A woman clothed with the sun, the moon under his, her feet, and a crown of seven stars in her head. And you may be asking, is this Mary? Mm, some people think so. Is this the nation of Israel? Mm, some people think so. We'll discuss that later and uh, we'll understand who she is. You keep reading and you see the second sign, the dragon, And you can see that in verse three, another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. So God's speaking about this dragon. And when you read further down, he explicitly tells us who the dragon is. You don't have to wonder, whoa, is this, you know, such and such an organization? Is this such a... No, he tells you right in verse nine. So look at verse nine, it says... The great dragon was hurled down, and here it is, the ancient serpent, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. The ancient serpent. That's who it is. And When I think of that, I think to myself of Genesis 3, in verse 1, where the word of God says, Now the serpent was more crafty than all the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say You must not eat from any tree in the garden. I can't think of any serpent more ancient than that one. And so that would be Satan. In this passage, he's called the devil. And his very name, devil, means accuser. It means slanderer. It means someone who talks trash about others. And in this chapter, he is called the accuser of the brothers. In this verse that we just read, verse 9, he is called hmm, Satan. And Satan doesn't mean accuser, Satan means deceiver. And again, this passage says that he leads the whole world astray. The dragon is also referred to as the one who is cast down from heaven. When I think of that, I think of passages like Ezekiel 28, verse 7, where it says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, corrupted, you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So God says, I threw you down to earth and made a spectacle of you before kings. Now, if you've studied the Bible before, in any detail, you might understand all this. In fact, that's why I had you put up your hand. How many know who the dragon is? How many know who the woman is? Because I kind of wanted to get a feel for that. Because there are some people that have studied this in great detail, and they're like, yeah, doesn't everybody know that? And what we learned in the first service and in this service is that very few people have a clue or have a real strong idea, I guess I should say, regarding this. You might be like people who have studied the Bible and you're like, yeah, parts of that sound familiar, but I'm not sure who's who here. Or you could be someone who studied the Bible a long time and say, I have no idea what this is about. What in the world is that about? So let me try to fill in some blanks for you if I can. And I can do that really by giving you a little bit of Israel's backstory. That's kind of what I want to do right now. Israel is the name that God gave to a man named Jacob. Several months ago, we talked about when Jacob wrestled with God. Do you remember that message? Jacob's name was Deceiver, and he wrestled with God, and, and, and God said, I'm changing your name to Israel, one who has travailed with God. Israel is the name of Jacob. and Israel's dad, his name was Isaac. And Israel's granddad's name was Abraham. And Abraham was given a promise If you're reading in Genesis chapter 12, for example, you'll read what scholars call the Abrahamic covenant. Doesn't that sound official? It's a covenant. It's a promise that was given to Abraham. It's on the screen. Listen as I read it. Follow along. I will make, speaking to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now look at verse 3. I will bless all those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And here it is, all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So that promise is given to Israel's grandpa, Abraham. And it follows the family line through Isaac, because he is the child of the promise. And then it follows to Israel, because he is Isaac's child. And then Israel himself, he has 12 kids, (laughs) So that promise is dispersed among these 12 kids. We call them the 12 tribes of Israel. Maybe you've heard that language before. One of those kids he had, one of those children that he had, those boys he had, was named Joseph. And here is where we begin to find the connection with Revelation 12. Joseph had a couple dreams. We're not going to go into those dreams in any detail, but I I want you to hear the language of the second dream. Joseph is talking to his brothers. They're all older than him. They have developed a state of contempt for him. They do not like him. And he says in Genesis 37, 9, listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. That sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. Okay, that would be Israel was rebuking his son, Joseph. And and he says, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come to bow down on the ground before you? And they did, because Joseph was taken into captivity in Egypt, and he saved basically all the human race by by putting away stores of food. And his family came down to live there, and he ruled over them at that point. So the dream came true, but what's really important to you and me is the language that's used. Did you catch that? The sun? the moon and 11 stars, add Joseph, and you've got 12 stars. Now think back to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, the first verse we read. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. (laughs) This woman is almost certainly Israel. Almost certainly Israel, the people of the promise that had been given to Abraham. And she gives birth to a child. The very next verse, verse 2 of Revelation 12 says, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And that child is Jesus. He's the promised one. He is the child of the promise. He is the Messiah. He is the culmination of that last phrase of the Abrahamic covenant. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And here it is all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. How have you been blessed through Abraham? I mean, what did Abraham ever do that blessed you? Because God says something's gonna happen through Abraham it's gonna be able to bless everybody. That something is the seed of Abraham, Jesus, the Messiah. You're starting to see the personages here in this passage. All people of the earth can be blessed through Jesus and his death on their behalf it helps me know who the child is, helps me understand who the woman is. It helps me understand, well, not yet, but I want to help you understand who the dragon is. I want to give you Satan's backstory. We understand from scripture that Satan is not God's equal. Occasionally, you'll bump into someone who who act like they think that God and Satan are equals, and that is not Christian teaching. It's not biblical teaching at all. Eastern mysticism teaches that kind of thing that there's a good and there's a bad, and they must be in perfect harmony and balance for the universe to be okay. I, I should have put it on a PowerPoint. You've probably seen the symbol of the yin and the yang. You know that symbol? And, and you know, that's the good and the bad, the light side of the force and the dark side of the force. They have to be in balance together. The good, the bad, the health, the sickness, the good, the evil, the light, The dark, the male, the female. I want you to notice where Eastern mysticism puts you, ladies. Don't say Christianity is (laughs) anti-woman. It's bigger than that. It's people tend to be sexist. That's the way it is. The yin and the yang, the good and the bad, that is not part of Christian teaching. Christianity teaches that Satan himself, well, let me just put it on the screen. That Satan himself was an angel who led a rebellion against God. He wanted to usurp God's throne. And as a result, Satan was actually cast out of heaven and he took others with him. The Bible doesn't teach that God and Satan are equal. It says that God is superior and he is going to vanquish. He's going to destroy Satan. He's going to destroy evil. And this passage is unfolding that reality in a small way. So now that we've kind of filled in some of the blanks, let's talk about these two signs for a minute. You can easily identify the signs. We can identify the woman. We've already said that because of Joseph's dream, we would think of her as being Israel. She is pregnant with child, and we've already said that's the child of the promise. Through him, all nations, all people of the earth will be blessed. That would be Jesus. We can identify the dragon. We understand that that's Satan. Look at verse three. Remember, it says a red dragon with seven horns and seven heads rather, and 10 horns and seven crowns on his head. And you might be thinking, whoa, Pastor Steve. Slow the wagon down here a minute. Because you told us that seven was God's number, like the seven spirits of God. And now I'm seeing like seven heads on this dragon. And I'm seeing seven crowns on his head. What's going on there? How can Satan possibly appear that way? Here it is in two words, identity theft. Because that's what he's doing. Remember, he wants to usurp God. He wants to take God's place. He wants to reign. And so he's trying to behave like and act like he's God. Now let's move forward and take a look at verse four if your Bibles are open to that its tail this is the dragon's tail swept a third of the stars from the sky and flung them to the earth. What that's saying is that when Satan was hurled down, he took others with him. Verse four continues The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that she might so that it might rather stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that the dragon might devour her child the moment the child was born. You see that in the story of Jesus, right? You see Satan trying to preempt the redemption of humankind almost at every corner. I mean, think about the, the, the Bethlehem story where it talks about Herod issuing a decree to kill all the children under two years of age in that area. Do you know what that is? That is a dragon wanting to devour the child. And Mary and Joseph take their child and go to Egypt as a result of that. He tries to get Jesus to deny who he is through the temptations. Remember, he says, turn these loaves into bread. And he says, jump from the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, bow down and worship me. And in all of those things, here's what the dragon's trying to do. He's trying to devour the child. You even see him when Judas betrays Jesus before the crucifixion. Because it says Satan entered him. And so there it is, kind of like a last grasp. I have got to devour this child, but he can't. Look at verse five. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Reminds me of the Christmas story when it says of Bethlehem, that out of you will come one who will be the ruler of my people, Israel. The passage here speaks even of Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. In verse five, the latter part of it says, the child is snatched up to be with God, snatched up to God and his throne. There's the ascension of Jesus. It's all spelled out there. The signs that we're seeing are really laid out clearly. By the way, look at verse seven and see how it says Satan losing his place in heaven. It details it more there. Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Okay, so what do these signs mean? I mean, here's kind of what people miss. It began by saying there were two signs in heaven. Okay, what are they signs of? What do they show us? What do they tell you? What are they pointing to? They can't be just blank signs that don't say anything. They've got to have some kind of meaning, but what do they signify? Let me tell you how I understand this. I think these signs are timeless landmarks that help us make sense of our world. And I think that's really important. Because when you can't make sense of your world, then it is hard for you to live well. It's hard for you to live a meaningful life when you can't make sense of things. And I am guessing that through the ages, generations of individuals have said, I just can't make sense of the world, whether it's something that's going on during the crucifixion, the bu- I'm sorry, not the crucifixion, the crusades, or maybe the bubonic plague, or World War I, or maybe Vietnam, or, or maybe, you know, any time in history. How can I make sense of my world? Why is this bad stuff happening? Why are good people suffering? Where is the answer to all this? In Revelation 12, these two signs give us some timeless landmarks that help us make sense of our world. They give us signs of the salvation of our God. I mean, if you're reading through verse 10, you're going to see all these subpoints in verse 10. The very first part of it says, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation of God. These signs tell us God has provided salvation. These timeless landmarks, This woman who gives birth to this baby and this dragon that is hurled down from heaven tell us that God is a God who provides salvation. The landmarks tell us of the power of God. Now have come the power of our God, verse 10 says. That war in heaven, I never noticed this until recently. The the devil, Satan, is rebelling because he would like to be sitting on the throne instead of having God sit on the throne. He's going to take God on. I'm going to fight God. But I notice in that war, God doesn't even get up. He doesn't even have to lift a finger. (laughs) Who wins that war? Michael and the other angels who are loyal to God prevailed against Satan and the rebellious angels. The power of God is something you and I can't begin to imagine. And so when you feel the enemy is attacking you, and I'm going to talk about this in more detail, remember the power of God. These signs are about the salvation of our Lord, the power of our God, even the kingdom of our God. John is writing in a world that's really quite a wreck. It's a train wreck. Rome is in charge, and they are a very corrupt government. And the religious authorities that are in charge, they are very corrupt individuals. And John himself has been exiled to live on an island in the Mediterranean because they don't want that godly influence to exist in West Turkey. Corrupt government, corrupt religion, sound familiar? (laughs) It does to me. And, And in verse 10, you read, now have come the kingdom of our God. And you may find yourself dismayed at what happens in your own country or in countries around us, but you do not have to be troubled concerning those things. Because if you are in Christ, if you've received him as your savior, then you are a citizen of a different kingdom. And those things that are happening here, as troubling as they may be, the timeless landmarks of Revelation 12, the woman and the dragon, they remind you that the kingdom of God is the kingdom you belong to. And these signs show us the authority of Christ, that he has authority. The woman giving birth to Jesus and a dragon being hurled. Well, it says in verse 10, the authority of his Messiah is shown in these signs. So the other evening, I'm not going to share any names, but I'm going to say something that was shared at men's group. We have this motto, what's said at men's group stays at men's group, unless Pastor Steve uses you as a sermon illustration. I know these guys, and I know they will not be troubled by sharing this. A couple different guys, maybe two or three of them said, you know, I did a ministry recently and afterward, I just felt so attacked by the enemy. I I sensed a darkness that night in my bed. I couldn't sleep that night in my bed. And I just, it was just, I did this thing for God. And and then this darkness comes along. And I got to tell you what that is. That is the enemy of your soul. That is the dragon and his angels. We call them demons, right? There he is. And and a a couple of the guys, one of them in particular, said, you know what? I I just finally, I kind of sat up and I, I, I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that phrase? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, leave. And 15 minutes later, he was sawn locks. you know. Because there is power and authority in Christ Jesus. The serpent may indeed bruise his heel, but he will crush the serpent's head. It's right in there. It's in the scripture. These signs are the sign of the end of evil. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night, verse 10 says, has been thrown down. Have you ever uh, had someone who is constantly picking at you? Constantly bothering you? Intentionally trying to annoy you? Have you ever had that? And I'm not just talking about that guy who happens to be annoying in general. So I'm not talking about your pastor. But just, you know, someone who is just always... It's almost like Satan uses him to be that little dog who, who nips at your heels all the time. Or, or maybe even someone who pushes you and bullies you. You can remember when I was in college, I would come home and work summer jobs. One summer I worked in a brick factory and there was a bully there who decided to target me. He was a big guy. He was one muscle from here all the way down to here and the rest as well. And I, man, I was a skinny kid. I could outrun him. I could outmaneuver him. But in that factory, you can run, but you can't hide, you know? And he made working there miserable for me, just miserable for me. And if he'd have caught me, he could have ripped me in half. And I really felt that he might. So there I am. I'm just always looking over my shoulder, you know. Okay? okay, good. Lunch break, you know. I'm not going to sleep on a cart this Remember I told you I slept on the railroad cars? That was the same factory. Sometimes I didn't because he was around. Yeah. You ever have someone like that in your life? One day I was coming into work and I was walking by the foreman's office, which was behind a glass. They had a big glass window. You could look in. He could look out over the factory. You could look right in and see him. And there was my nemesis sitting across the table from him. And I thought, what's going on there? And eh, gossip in a factory spreads like wildfire. I wasn't the whole way to my station before I knew what was in there. (laughs) He uh, He had assaulted another guy when the whistle blew the day before at the end of the day. And he was being fired. He was out of there before the nine o'clock break. (laughs) Wow. I got to tell you, I'm sorry. I feel bad for him, but that was a really good day for me. You understand? Because the one who was constantly harassing me was thrown down. You get it? You get it? That's the way this landmark should make you feel. That Satan, the one who accuses you and me before the throne, day and night has been thrown down. That's a great landmark. That's a great landmark. So what are these signs about? (laughs) They're to let you know about the salvation of your God. They're to let you know about the power of your God, the kingdom of God that you're a part of, the authority of Christ, and the end of evil. These timeless landmarks, and they belong to you. They belong to you. Look what it says about those who follow Jesus. In verse 11, it says, they triumphed over him, that is over the dragon. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Here's what that is saying. That is saying when the enemy attacks you, when the dragon attacks these people, they triumph by saying, I belong to the lamb who was slain for me. I belong because salvation is of our God. Salvation comes from the power of God. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And the authority of the Christ protects me and puts an end to evil. The blood of the lamb and the fact that I belong to him is how I overcome the enemy. Do you understand that? Wow, that's powerful stuff. it's for you if you belong to the lamb if you're trusting in christ it is for you and these timeless these timeless landmarks help you make sense of your very life i mean think about it the woman and the dragon they show us why our world is such a mess you think to yourself man the world's such a mess if there's a god why is this happening This passage tells you why it's right there in verse 12. In the second part of verse 12, it says, Woe to the earth and the sea, because a devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Why do tsunamis happen? Because of that. We live in a fallen world with fallen people, with fallen angels all around us. No wonder the place is on fire, right? Right? It's a wonder we can survive, but we can survive because of the land. This timeless landmark shows us that God takes care of his own. I mean, by all appearances, Israel has a place, a role in the end times. In verse 13, it says, when the dragon saw that he'd been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who gave him birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so she may fly to a place prepared for her in a wilderness where she'll be taken care of for time, times, and a half time. Out of the serpent's reach, and from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep away her away with torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river the dragon had spewed out. Wow, what is that about? I don't know. I don't know, times, time, and a half time. I know the math on that. I understand the theories on that. But, but here's what I want you to hear. God is active in the end times. Ha, ha, ha. God is active all the time. All the time. He is active protecting those who belong to him. And regardless of what is happening in your life or who is pursuing you, there is a God that is looking out for you and protecting you. And that's what those timeless landmarks mean. These timeless landmarks even tell us why Christians are persecuted. Why evil exists. Seems like yesterday, although it was a couple years ago that those 21 Egyptian Christians were beheaded on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. Persecution, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And you think to yourself, why does that happen? Why does that happen? And here's why. Verse 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Who is that? Those who keep God's command and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. Ah, that's you and me. That's who that is. We are the offspring of the woman. We are the bride of Christ. We are that which Jesus holds dear. And therefore, we are that which the dragon hates. And that helps me understand the reason for evil. When I'm thinking, why doesn't God do something about it? I know that he is. Because the most timeless thing that all of this shows us is the love of God. These timeless landmarks, these signs, show us the love of God. They point us to a reality that there is a God who loves us. Who in the middle of a book that details the wrath of the Lamb being poured out on humankind, takes time, God in the middle of this book, takes time to give you these timeless landmarks of His power, His authority, His grace, His love, His protection. He gives us these signs, the woman and the dragon. He reminds us that He sent His Son to save us. He affirms to us that through the seed of Abraham, all peoples of earth will be blessed. He confirms that Satan is indeed defeated. And He affirms that He will never leave us or forsake us. And He shows us as we trust in Him, we will prevail. (laughs) I just want to thank Him. I just want to thank Him for timeless landmarks such as these. Would you join me in doing so? Let's stand together. I feel like one of the ways we have sold the book of Revelation short is to think that it applies to people later, right? But these are timeless truths and they apply to you and me right now. I really need to know that there is a God that loves me. (laughs) And these timeless truths point to that. He loves you too. He gave Himself for you. When you turn from your sin and place your trust in Him, He moves you from death to life. He moves you from outside the kingdom in the world of the, the dragon. He moves you from there into His kingdom. And He protects you and holds you as His very own child. How can I not be thankful for that? Let's thank Him together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for these landmarks that show us your great love. I pray for each of us here that each of us will have turned toward you away from our sin and realize that the Lamb has been slain for us and place our trust in you, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And having done that, may we rely on your great power, your authority, your might, your strength, your care, your attention to detail your love for us, your protection of us. May we know the dragon has no place in our life. May we experience the fullness of the Spirit of Christ each day. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.